The text that we have tonight um, from 2 Samuel is a classic. Um, it's a classic not because it's got stories of babies and virgins and all of those things, but it's got a promise of a king yet to come in the line of David, the seed of Jesse. Um, so there, there has been this thread through all of these messages on Wednesday evening of the seed that God planted in the Old Testament that, we, uh, that, that should tune our minds to the fact that Jesus is coming. So today... Specifically, there is this house of the king and of the, the temple that is to be built and all of that. Um, so what we hear today, uh, I feel, is very applicable. <laughs> this is one of the most applicable texts I think we can have when it comes to how we live our lives and how we look for God at work with us. So this is 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 16. Now when the king, David lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with the people of Israel, I did not speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following sheep, that you, would, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. Violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed the judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, this is one of those texts. There's just too much. There's <laughs> too much. This is a four-hour sermon to just scratch the surface if I were to touch everything in here. 
Uh, I know you may be wondering, well, it sounded like he was talking about Jesus for a second there, but then it said his iniquities and his sins, and Jesus didn't sin. Beautiful theology there where he who had no sin became sin for us and who was punished for that sin. That's a whole sermon <laughs> right there. That, that's 30 minutes of great preaching, better preaching from somebody else than me, but it's right there. It's just right there. There's another one in here that is fantastic. When, when um, the Lord says, I've been living in this tabernacle. Do you know how the Gospel of John starts? Do you remember? In the beginning was the Word, the Word became flesh, and it dwelt. That word, tabernacle. It's the same Greek word as the Greek of the Old Testament. Now you're thinking, well, the Old Testament was Hebrew, right? Yep, Hebrew until it was translated into Greek, and that's what the people of John's time, Jesus, when he quotes the Old Testament, he quotes it in Greek. So John himself, the spirit through John, is tying Jesus right to this text. It says, yeah, tabernacled with us, just like he tabernacled with the Israelites, that's sermon number two. <laughs> there's, there's so many here, it's beyond comprehension. But we're not going to do those. Um, instead, we're going to focus on one of those, those points that is a very Advent theme. Emmanuel, God with us. And what our text today tells us, uh, and this is going to get annoying, but I don't care. <laughs> this is just fun. What he means is, with us not with us, they miss the point. When, when the Lord is saying this to David, he's really speaking in this cool eschatological sense, which is this weird, funny, churchy word that means like the, the end times, but also the now times. See, the things of, of now for David and Nathan and the Lord at that now also reverberated and had echoes all the way to the not yet. It's like when you, when you hit the gong, there's a moment that the, that the mallet hits the gong, but then it reverberates for time, right? So it's, it's like when the Lord says this, it's as though there's this cosmic mallet that hits all of creation and it reverberates. And we see it over and over, like the waves, the sound waves just coming back. Have you ever, have you ever been on a, um, a lake that's perfectly flat, and then there's a big, you know, I don't know if you do this as kids, you throw bricks into the lake, right, because that's what you do. <laughs> big rocks or whatever it is, and you see the waves go out, and if they hit the edge, they'll come back in, and they go back out. That exact, that exact sort of dynamic is how the Lord... Uh, gives his promise and, and talks about the Messiah, right? These waves go in and out. And it's, it's David and his house. But it's, that's, that's the mallet hitting David and his house. But not David and his house. Solomon is going to build the house. But not Solomon in the house. Jesus is the house. But not just Jesus in the house. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the house, right? But also, he is returning to make this his home. <laughs> so much more than he's with us, <laughs> right? So much more than that. But David at the time, and, and certainly Israelites for years and years, Jews to this day, are, are seeing only the mallet strike. They're not seeing what with us really means. 
with us is such a more profound, so much more meaningful phrase. Right? When, when I see, I'm with you, man. When, when somebody's had a bad day, oh, I'm with you. Or, you know, the, my sports team, is, I'm with them. I'm with them this week. But not really. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for them. I'm cheering for them. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm whatever. But when there's somebody who is, is in the last moments of life, what do they want? They want somebody with them. Not cheering for them like a sports team. Not, not with them, rooting for them. You're going to be fine. Clearly not, but you know, it'll be over quick. That's not what we want. We, we want somebody with us in those dark moments, in those painful moments, when, when things are, are, are really dark in our lives. We want somebody with us. This, 2 Samuel 7, 9, is what God is saying. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make you, for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. Yes, that is true for David. But this is, that's just the, the mallet hitting the gong. Where that reverberates out is, is he with Solomon? Yes. Is he, is he with us, with Jesus? Is he with his disciples? Quite literally, yes. At Pentecost, in baptism, we celebrate that he is with us. You see, it gets more and more profound and real and important, significant and life-changing. I've said this so many times, I'll just say it again. We are living in the absolute best time ever to be the people of God. And that will be true right up until the moment of the resurrection. And then we will be living in the best time of the people of God. <laughs> but this is, this is as, as great, as powerful, as wonderful. And you say, well, we don't have a temple where we see you know, the, the curtain and behind there is the presence of God. We don't see Jesus walking on the water. Those are all wonderful, powerful signs. That happened. And then they were over. Or places that were there, but not over here. Or things or events and all of this stuff that's, that's not with us. Those are, those are punctuated moments in time. We have the spirit of God living in us. That is with us. We think oftentimes how, how tragic and sad it is for somebody to die alone. No Christian has ever died alone. God is with us. This is only made possible by the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. This is only possible if God intervenes and becomes a son. That was another one of the sermons that we don't have time for, <laughs> right? Where he says, I will be a father and he will be a son. Oh, okay, you know, like, no, like nothing before. Jesus, the Son of God, unlike anyone before, and really, truly, unlike anyone since, even though we are called sons and daughters of God. We're not the same as Jesus. <laughs> There's no confusion there. 
So when he says with us, we, we look forward not to the birth, but this is one of those sound waves or the waves of water where we note and go, right, 2,000 years ago, this time he was born. And just like it happened with David and Solomon and Jesus, it's going to happen again. Christmas points us to the return. Emmanuel, God with us. And that will be forever. But he means forever, not forever. I told you, you're going to get sick of it. (laughs) And I don't care. 2 Samuel 2, 7, verse 6. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Forever. Forever? Forever, ever? Forever, ever? Uh, One person. (laughs) It's a song. Okay, we got a couple. Okay. Thank goodness. So it's forever, forever. This is this is not David is is okay for thousands and thousands of years. Well, yes and no. We know the story of Israel. We are watching the story of Israel where, where forever hasn't been forever. Right now, forever started in 1947. Right? Before that, we had these Ottomans. And we still, this is going to be a conflict that doesn't end soon. This is a conflict that doesn't end till Jesus returns. And, and in this text, over and over again, it says the enemies will be put away. But they're not, clearly. This is the best time ever for us to just mark and note that's, that's not peace. <laughs> that's not the enemies away from you. They're surrounded by enemies. So either this isn't true, the scriptures aren't true, or he means forever, eternity, when Jesus returns. We, we f- don't focus on this very much, and, and it's really because forever is so impossible for, for finite human beings to get our heads around. Like, what is forever? What is forever like? And how's it even changed, like, my perspective of time? What's a long time? Ten years? Is that a long time? To a ten-year-old, it is. To a 40-year-old, it goes way too fast. <laughs> then you're 50, right? To a 50-year-old, it's a blink. To, to an 80 or 90-year-old, oh, those are just decades. They just they come and they go. Ten years? A hundred years? Wrap your head around a hundred years being a short little bit of time. Oh, I remember that hundred years, like yesterday. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years. What does time even become when there is no aging and no end to it? So when the, when the Israelites, when David, when Nathaniel, when all the people hear and read and, and see, the kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, they should be hearing not this earthly kingdom. They should be hearing something divine, something uh, supernatural, something eschatological again. I see we get so wrapped up in these, this year's been a tough year for me. Okay. I don't, don't want to diminish anybody's pain or suffering, but also it's a year. It's a year. Forever is in front of you. 
It's been a rough decade. <laughs> that person's had a tough life. You see how all of that, we don't diminish the suffering and pain. We acknowledge, absolutely, this has been a rough year for a lot of people. This has been a rough decade. This has been a rough life for so many people. But this is why the hope of the gospel is so powerful. If you were born in a refugee camp and you die at 70 years old in a refugee camp, that's a rough 70 years. But I don't know if you could even remember it after a million years of perfect bliss with no hunger, no sorrow, no pain, no, no thirst, no, no, no suffering whatsoever. Could you even imagine what that is? Like, I don't even think you could. Like, do you remember how terrible it was when you were three and you wanted something and mom and dad wouldn't give it to you? I don't. And, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me, right? Or maybe you're a 10-year-old, right? It's the worst thing ever, right? Is it? Look back at it. I'm not diminishing. It was the worst thing ever. The worst thing I ever experienced at 10 years old was the worst thing I ever experienced. And for some, it was way worse than others. But hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. I have eternity. I'm not even saying my life is so much better now. I'm saying it doesn't matter to me. This is, this is a theology of suffering of, look, suffering for me right now is, is just the, the reminder of the glory of the Lord that's on the way. Tough times today will make the better times even better. Or at least, if not, because I don't even know if we're going to remember at the resurrection. I don't know. But if not, at least they make today better to know this is just a blink. I, I can do this. I can survive this. God's not killing me. I can survive this because I know what is to come. The last one. <laughs> oh, I have another verse up there. Let's do that one too. 2 Samuel 7, verse 13. Oh, I think I said that one without putting it up there. Yeah, All right, let's go to the next. Final point in the sermon then. All of this. With us, not with us, forever, not forever, his plan. Not your plan. We all have a plan, right? <laughs> One of my favorite quotes ever, Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, <laughs> right? How good is your plan Right up into the moment, you get punched in the face by life. It's not as good anymore, <laughs> right? Can't even remember, can't see it, can't even figure out the direction to go. Your eyes are crossed, you're spinning, and it, everything hurts, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Your plan is fallible. Your, your plan is, is based off of uh, assumptions and variables over which we have no control whatsoever. That's the chaos of a sinful, broken world. None of us picked our parents. None of us picked where we would be born. None of us picked our level of, of physical health, mental acuity. None of us, all of these things, these are cards that are dealt to us. Great. Do the best you can with it. But don't get too wrapped up in your plan. David had a great plan. I'm going to build a big house. And it's a plan he could easily do, right? He's, he's the king. Another sermon in here. 
Do you notice that? The Lord said, I made you my prince. The people call you king. You're the prince. You're not all the way up here. What is the prince? The son of the king. Where does Jesus come from? David's line. Jesus is the son of the son of the king. <sighs> Too many sermons. One evening, one text, all these sermons. His plan. I'm going to build a nice house. I already built one. Look, live in it. <laughs> Look at my house. My house is nice. This isn't a bad plan. Nobody's criticizing your plan to, to get this job, to do this thing, to, to raise this family. I'm not criticizing your plan. David's plan's a nice plan. But the Lord intentionally, like, like this, the mallet hitting the gong again, saying, let's, let's pause for a second and make sure that we have a, a story from history that reverberates all the way to 2023 that says, okay, God's plan might be different from yours. It might sound really similar, <laughs> but it, it might actually be very different. Like, yes, a house is going to be built. Okay, you're not going to build it. Oh, <laughs> well, that is very different than my plan to build the house, right? Well, I, I want to do this thing. Okay, well, but not you, your son. Son of the son of the king. It's everywhere in this text. Okay, so you have a plan. It's going to go to crap. You're going to get punched in the face. That's what's going to happen. This is how life is. Because we're not at that last reverberation where Jesus returns. David's plan didn't go as planned. Solomon built a temple. Went just as he planned. Gorgeous temple until they ripped it down. <laughs> right? And then they rebuilt it. Never quite had the same glory. And then they ripped that one down. Okay. We all have plans, and maybe we even accomplish them to the fullest extent or a, you know, a shadow of what we thought or yes, got ripped down or whatever it might be, but all of that plan, whether they, they succeed or they fail, whether it goes glorious or in ashes, the plan comes to full fruition. It's, it's all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's plan. Can you imagine that your plan as King David to build this great temple, that's part of God's plan for you to have that plan, David, but the part of the plan that you are is, nope. <laughs> your part of the plan is, nah. Okay. My plan, my, my huge important part of the plan of building the temple of God is to not to. Got it. Get right on it. Done. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we're a brick in the outhouse of the Lord instead of the pillar in the temple of God. You know what? That's David. And we're preaching about it tonight. We're taking comfort in it tonight. We're finding joy and promise and solace and comfort in his dismay and disappointment. Thanks be to God to be a brick in the outhouse of the Lord. It's a glorious thing. His plan, his design, each and every one of you is a part of it. Each and every Christian, every baby and adult baptized from the beginning of time until he returns is a piece and a part of this plan. And guess what? 
There's nothing the world can do to stop it. He's coming back. That's what Advent is. He's coming back. And I'm sure when he does, the plan will all make sense. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this master plan of which I got no real clue other than we keep looking forward to your return. Jesus, come soon. Thank you, Christ Jesus, that you took on flesh to purchase for us what could not be bought, to win for us what could not be won. Thank you for that incredibly humbling gesture to take on human flesh, frail, fragile, breakable, to rescue us. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.